and good morning. Good to see you. I hope you're enjoying our nice cool weather outside. And uh, a little muggy out there today. Well, indeed, uh, this past week, my wife and our third child went to camp, and they had a lot of opportunities to, to grow uh, spiritually as well. And, and uh, so I was at home with my two teenagers and my three-year-old. The teenagers are fine, of course, and they're help, but that three-year-old still gives me a lot of opportunities to grow, <laughs> grow my faith. And Lord, grow my trust and uh, get better as a father. And I think I failed a lot of those tests, but, you know, it was an opportunity. And uh, we learned from our failures, amen. <laughs> and so today we are talking about a growing faith as we continue in the book of Colossians. And we are in chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Paul says, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving Thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, we thank you that we can sing your praises. We can come in here today and, and worship you. As Colby said, that we can uh, lay our burdens down to you. Remember your grace. Remember your forgiveness. Remember who we are in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this letter that was written to the church at Colossae. A letter that's meant to be for them, but also that's meant to be universal. Meant to be for us. That we can continue to put you first in our lives. And Lord, we can do that. By growing in who you want us to be, by growing in you, Father. So, Lord, I pray that you speak through me today, that my words are yours, that you fill me with your spirit today, and that we hear a word from you, that you show each and every one of us, and as a church, what it is we need to hear today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you three things about growing in our faith. Three th things today about growing in our faith. First is that we should be growing in the knowledge of God. We should be growing in the knowledge of God, who God is, uh, who we are in Christ, all of those things. So verse 9 tells us, Paul writes the Colossian church and he says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this phrase, and so, refers back to the prior section. And it refers back to the good report that the church that Paul had heard from a man named Epaphras. And from, that, from the day that Paul had heard how well the Colossians were doing, uh, he and Timothy then had not ceased to, ceased to pray for them and what kind of thing does a pastor pray or a church planter pray for the church well he tells us right here that first that the church would be filled 
with the knowledge of God's will. That's the pastor's prayer for the church. Uh, that, that, that the church would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and which would lead to spiritual wisdom and understanding. And to be filled has this idea of being completely controlled by something. And so God desires us to be completely controlled by His will. Not our will, but His will. So in order to be controlled by the will of God, we have to know what it is God's will is in the first place. And we know that by what God has said, what He has given us in His Word. Now, now this doesn't just mean that we understand Bible facts, or we have all the kings of Israel memorized, or things like that, any kind of information. It is, it is a deep spiritual knowledge of who God is, and not only of who He is, but what He desires for our lives. How do we know this? Well, we, we receive this by reading His Word, by meditating, thinking about His Word, by, by praying Scripture. In fact, the Bible warns of the consequences of a lack of knowledge of who God is. Look at Ephesians 4. He says, we don't need to be no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, if we aren't filled with the Word of God, then our faith will be tossed around by all the outside worldly influences that we encounter on a daily basis. So if we aren't filled with God's Word, we start to forget what is true. We start to forget what is right. We confuse right and wrong. We confuse true and false. And we forget what God has said. And we start listening to other voices. Because there are tr a tremendous amount of other voices out there. Some profess to be Christian. Some don't. So we have to, even those that profess to be Christian, we have to make sure that what they're saying is from God's word. We have to, we have to, to measure it by the word of God. He says when we don't do this, our faith is like a boat that is tossed around during a storm. Now, the, the purpose of a boat, of course, as you know, is to get in the boat and go somewhere, right? You want to go from point A to point B. Now, I guess you could park it there and swim for a while and do whatever, but it's usually trying to go from one dock to the next. That's the point of being on a boat. It's, it's mainly for travel. So when a storm arises, what happens? The boat gets tossed. Uh, about and getting to point B is no longer the primary objective of that boat ride is it if you've ever been in a storm on a boat you know what I mean that's not the primary objective anymore survival becomes the primary objective safety becomes the primary objective now I've never been on a boat when a bad bad storm has hit but I've gotten to the dock just in time and we're getting off the kids off the boat getting off the dock and putting the rope up and the winds are going crazy and we barely get inside where we need to get. So it was close. So I can only imagine what it would be like out in the middle of a lake or the ocean. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that when we don't have the knowledge of God's will, we forget why we're even on a boat in the first place. We get tossed around. We get off track. And then we're just trying to survive. We're not thriving. We're surviving. So he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will so our faith can withstand those storms. 
But he also prays for something else. He says that we're filled, we should be filled also with wisdom and understanding. So we can know God's word, but then how do we apply it to our lives? How do we organize it? How do we apply it? Now, wisdom is often learned through experience, and I've learned a lot through earned, I call it wisdom, right? Experience. I've learned a lot about that, and I see my children do the same thing as well. But God wants us to be able to have wisdom without necessarily having to experience the type of earned wisdom that we need. He wants us to just know what is wise and what is not. And so we need God's help to open our eyes to what his word says. That's why he gives us the book of Proverbs and other books like that in the Bible. So we can see, okay, if I do this, this is probably what will happen. Or if I don't do this, this is probably what's going to happen. So he wants us to be able to have that wisdom and apply it in our lives And when this happens, he says, verse 10, we can do this. We can then walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If they were were to be a kind of a key verse in this passage, this would be it. He wants them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When he uses this phrase walking, he's using a metaphor and it's talking about the daily routine of living, our walk in Christ, our daily routine of living. What we do, we get up in the morning, we go about our day, we go to sleep. That's walking in the Lord. And, and, and what does our walk look like? What does that routine look like? Several times in Scripture, God tells us to walk in a worthy way. And he says, here's how you know you're walking right. And he uses another metaphor. He says, you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. If you had an apple tree, if, if I didn't know what an apple tree looked like, and I probably don't without the apples hanging from it, if I walked right past an apple tree, I would have no idea that was an apple tree, but if I saw apples hanging from it, I would say, oh, that's an apple tree, because I know what an apple looks like, right? Uh, a good old juicy apple, I know what those look like, right? But you would not know it unless the fruit were hanging from uh, the leaves, from the tree. So that's what he says, that people aren't really going to know we're Christians, People don't really, really know we're Christians, right, unless uh, they see our fruit, unless, they, unless we're bearing fruit, uh, unless, unless we're bearing what Jesus wants us to, to show and to present to people. In fact, we can't bear fruit apart from walking in the Spirit of God. Look at John 15, 4. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine. So we must be completely yielded to the Spirit, because the more we know God, then the more we can trust Him. Right? It's like that. If, I, if you have a relationship with someone, uh, the more you know them, the more you will trust them, or the more you won't trust them, unfortunately. Amen? You get an idea of who they are. Well, God is completely trustworthy, so the more you know God, the more you realize you can trust Him. The more you know God, the more confidence you have in Him. And the more you know God, the more you walk in Him. So if we're constantly in doubt, if we're constantly in fear, if we're in a, a type of spiritual paralysis, we, we then, at that point in our life, we don't know God very well. Our walk is not fruitful. When you experience people who have the fruit of the Spirit, who have peace and love, and self-control, and goodness, and kindness. It's because they are walking in the Spirit. They're walking in the Lord. And we know that because they have the fruit. 
That's how he would want us to be. So grow in the knowledge of God so we can then walk in God and bear fruit. Secondly, not only do we walk, uh, grow in the knowledge of God, we're growing in the power of God. We're growing in the power of God. Look at verse 11. He says, May you be strengthened with all power according to to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now he's pray, he prays for strength. This is not just like a, a one-time you know, power-up, power boost or anything like that. This is a, a continual strengthening. And so when we're strengthened by God's power, then our power is limitless. Well, it's uh, July 17th, and we were looking at, uh, uh, in staff meeting, what we were going to uh, promote for the next month. I like to promote about a, I think it's about a month out. We don't want to give it too too late or or, or too early because then you'll forget about it. And so I thought I thought goodness, Awana starts back August seventeenth. That means school starts back. We're le- less than a month away from school. Can you believe that? My June just disappeared, right? And so uh, that that's just coming around around the corner. And then I started thinking, man, when school starts back, you know what that also means? College football season is 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 here. Right, college football season. Had a bunch of people amen that in the first service. I wasn't sure if that was appropriate or not. But anyway, uh, uh, it's, it's going to be here soon. Teams will start to practice soon. And they can only practice a certain number of times throughout the year. Uh, but what they can also, what they can do is they can, they can work out. They can get as strong as they want. And if you haven't seen the workout facilities for major colleges like Carolina or Clemson, I mean, they are something to, to behold. They're like palaces. They're like uh, Taj Mahal's. I mean, Clemson has a slide in theirs. I mean, they have all sorts of cool things to do and, and just incredible workout facilities. And, and, and a lot of these players come in looking like children, 18-year-olds. And, and when they leave, uh, they leave looking like grown men. And, and part of the reason is because of the workout plans and the facilities and, 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 the, and the diets that they're put on, specific diets. They plan out your whole, your whole meals. They plan out your workout regimen. And then, again, of course, you have to do that. That's part of being on the team. You work out. But imagine if all that was voluntary. Imagine if a player never took advantage of the workout regimes, never took advantage of the wonderful meals they would cook there and where they would eat. And they said, you know what, I'll just go across the street and get Burger King instead. Or KFC or something like that. And, and they have chefs making them their, their food. Imagine if they didn't take advantage of that. They didn't take advantage of any of that kind of thing. We would say, what a waste. First of all, they wouldn't play. Because other men, uh, other athletes would be doing it. But what a waste. It's a similar waste when we have the power of God available to us. And we don't ask for it. We don't access it. It's like having the best food, the best workout equipment, uh, the best dietitians at our beck and call for free. These players are being paid in more ways than one to play football, right? And what if they just have the option of not using it? One scholar years ago said this. He said that a believer equipped with such power and filled with God to such an extent will realize spiritual strength is there to resist evil, to turn his back upon temptation, to banish all fear and doubt, to surmount 
all obstacles and overcome all difficulties. A believer so filled with the power of God will find strength to embrace all opportunities and in the end will obtain victory over death, hell, and the grave. Isn't that what we all desire? Don't we desire the, the, the ability to resist evil? Don't we desire the ability to turn our back on temptation? Don't we desire to, to banish all fear? Don't we desire to, to banish all doubt? Don't we desire to, the power and ability to surmount all obstacles? And don't we desire to obtain victory over death, hell, and the grave? Amen? That should be our desire. We have the strength for all those things if we ask for it. Lord, give me the strength that I need today. Ask God for it. But instead, we just say, you know what, I'll just handle it myself. I'll just go get that Whopper and that pie, that thing they have at Burger King, and those fries. And then I'll feel bad about it about four hours later. Or we eat the good things of the Lord. We don't feel bad. And we grow. This power shows us when we're strengthened in this way that we are really growing in Christ. And it then gives us the strength then to endure the trials that come, that come to us. Look at Romans 8, 38. It says this. Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when you're living in the power of God, even in the deepest, even in the darkest hours of suffering, you will have an abiding joy that even defies comprehension. We should be growing in the power of God, but we must ask for it. And finally, number three, not only are we growing in the knowledge of God and the power of God, we should be growing in the thankfulness of God, or in thankfulness to God. Verse 12 says this, that because of all this, what, what do we do? We, we give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. See, when our nature and disposition becomes one of thankfulness, not one of self-pity, not one of ungratefulness, when we are thankful, then we know that we are growing spiritually. When we find ourselves unthankful, we know we're not. When we find ourselves becoming more thankful for blessings uh, that you have in li life, less negative, less complaining, then we know we're growing in Christ. So we should be thankful that we qualify to share in the inheritance of God that he's talking about here because of Christ Jesus. See, when we receive Jesus, we become his adopted sons, adopted daughters. We have an inheritance that is passed down from us like a father to a child. I was thinking this week, what am I thankful for this week? You know, a lot of different things, but one thing I thought about that came to mind was this past week I've been very thankful about the weather. Right? Now it's been muggy, it's rained, but it has not been 105 degrees. Amen. Much of the country right now is in a heat wave. 
unrelenting heat wave, and our, our weather pattern is, you know, 85, 86, cloudy, rain, mugginess. Now, it's not nice, and today's a little hotter, I think, than it has been. But I'm thankful that I can walk outside and there's a cloud blocking the sun. Now, I know the hot days will come. We're not out of it yet. I mean, it'll come until November, right? The hot days will come. But I'm thankful that we have a break from the type of heat that is draining. I think the Lord just knows we can't handle it. Like 105 in this humidity, we, we, we would all just die probably. Um, but but, but he, he, I'm thankful for it. If we don't have thankful hearts, then we would just complain about the mugginess. We would complain about what it does to our hair, even though I have no hair, but some of you do. We would complain about the, the, the flooding, the, the too much rain we have. We didn't have any rain, but now we're getting too much rain. We would complain about this or that or how the beach wasn't sunny enough because the clouds were out. We started complaining about things. Instead of that, we should be thankful because of this inheritance we have been given to us in Christ Jesus. What is that inheritance? It's eternal life. It's the knowledge of the truth. It's the ability to purify our souls. See, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. You know, when you went to camp, when our, our kids went to camp this week, uh, they walked into an empty, bare room. Clean, but empty and bare. And they had to put sheets on and put a, get their, bring their pillows and all that kind of thing and bring soap and all that kind of stuff. They had, they had to prepare themselves. We go to heaven, the room's already prepared. We don't have to bring anything. God's going to know what type of pillow you like. He's going to know what type of mattress you like. Everything is going to be ready for you. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. We don't have to prepare it ourselves. We don't have to, you know, uh, go to Walmart and pick up something we forgot. Praise the Lord. It's ready for us. It's a prepared place for prepared people. We will check in and we'll walk in and there it is. Some translations say it's not just rooms, it's it's mansions we'll have. They're prepared by a God who knows us and knows everything about us and knows what we'll enjoy. So the natural man would not enjoy heaven because they can't fathom a place better than this world. But the born-again man, the born-again woman, would enjoy heaven because they understand that in Christ we possess all these things. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And in him, we can accomplish anything. And heaven is a prepared place for us. So we should be thankful. When we go to heaven, we don't, we don't have to check in with customs. We don't have to go find our bags. We walk in to a place prepared for us. Maybe there will even be one of those little mints on the pillow. I don't know. But for eternity, that's what it will be like. And we're thankful for that. And in verse 13, we're thankful because of this. We're thankful because he has delivered us. From the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We, should, we need to be thankful that, that he's rescued us. This is what deliverance is. He's rescued us. We, we've been rescued from Satan's power. And we are now able to escape that. Imagine if you were born in a cave, dark cave with no light shining in. And you lived there for several years. I don't know how you're being taken care of. Maybe somehow you have a mom or dad, but you're in that cave, right? You would not know what the outside looked like until you were brought outside. That's how it is to not know Jesus. You don't realize the, 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 the captivity people are in until the gospel comes into their life. 
That's how salvation is. Why would you go back to the cave when you have this whole world to experience? We don't realize we're in darkness. We don't realize we need saving until Jesus comes into our life and shows us our need and rescues us from that. And then he says that we've been transferred. We're now on God's team. We've been traded, so to speak. We've gone from Satan's to, to, to God's team. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're, we're new people, new men. Women with new hearts. You know, in the, in the in professional sports, or I guess college sports now, whenever someone changes teams or is traded, sometimes they don't play as well as maybe they did before. And they're like, what happened? I thought we were getting a better player. Or sometimes they do better than the place they were before. They're like, wow, we never knew this player was going to be so good. They don't, they don't stay the same. There's a difference. There's a change. Either they're getting better or they get worse. Very few times do they have the same exact statistics they had that probably never happens the year prior with a different team. It's the same thing in Christ. We're different people when Christ comes into our lives. The old has passed away. There is a new that has come. We have been redeemed. We have been freed uh, from bondage. We've been emancipated. We have been bought. And what was the price? The price was the blood of Jesus. The death of Jesus. He paid it himself, and he laid down his life so that we could be redeemed. Romans 8 says this, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, we don't, we don't just have Jesus, we have everything. And so we're thankful for that. And we're thankful for the forgiveness he gives us. Look at Psalm 103. He says that as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So when we stand in front of Jesus, we stand in front of the Lord in heaven, he will not see any sin that we've committed. He will not see any sin. He'll see the grace that Jesus has bought for us. We're clean. We're acquitted. We're not who we think we are. We are complete and perfected. Because he's taken our sin and taken it far away on the cross through Jesus. The greatest phrase that's been argued that's ever been uttered on earth is when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out, it is finished. It's finished. Through his blood, the sacrifice was made and God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. And we were spared. As we close our time together today, know that God wants you to continue to grow. He wants to continue to grow. He, he's, he's put a three-and-a-half-year-old in your, in your life that's running around shooting their sibling. And he told me the other day that it was so fun to shoot his sibling. I want to shoot them. I said, you can't shoot them. It's so fun. You have something in your life that you just want to do, can't do, and you're like, it's so fun. Yeah, but that's not the Lord's will for your life. But I want to do that. I want to talk about that person that, that was mean to me. I want to tell you how horrible they are. No. Nope. I want to do this or do that or whatever it is. No, nope. that's not God's will for your life. See, 
We're all three and a half year olds on some level, spiritually speaking. And our father's always got to tell us, nope, sorry, that's not who you are now. You need to grow into mature manhood. That's what you need to do. So he wants us to grow, but we need to trust him. That his ways are best. We need to trust him as we seek to obey what we learn in God's word, that, that we trust him as we bear fruit when we walk in him, that we trust him as we rely on his power, and that we would trust him as we realize our inheritance and our salvation. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus before for salvation. Today is your day to, to ask him to forgive you your sins and give you a new heart and to be born again. Today is the day that you can be a new person. God's called us to be a church that is growing, growing in knowledge, growing in wisdom, growing in all these things, uh, growing in thankfulness. No matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, he's called us to continue to grow and to continue to be changed. And through the Lord's power that we have access to, we have that ability. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you've given us. As we close our time together today, we we thank you that you're so patient for us, patient with us. As we all experience those growing pains that children will often say their knees hurt, their legs hurt, and we say, well, those are growing pains. That happens to us spiritually, Lord. So help us with those growing pains as you will. Give us that power, give us that wisdom, and give us that spirit of thankfulness, Lord, that we are not, uh, we're, we are not who we are going to be, but we're not who we were. And that we're on a path and we're continuing to grow, continuing to improve. And we thank you, Lord, that in this church, First Baptist Monk's Corner, that we can be grounded in God. That we can be growing in Christ. And then, as we mature, we can give to others as you've called us, Lord. And we thank you for what you've done for us. And, and we, just, we, we ask these things, Lord, in the power of your name.